It's a brand new day, and we're putting the AM in American politics. We've seen the darkness of division and despair and are now jumping into the light of a bright path forward. Progress is here, and we're sharing its story with you, for you, all with the help of Signal Boost. Now, here are your hosts, Zerlina Maxwell and Jess McIntosh. Welcome to Signal Boost. This is Jess McIntosh. I'm here with Zerlina Maxwell, and we are joined by one of our absolute favorite guests here to talk to us about the SCOTUS decision and many, many other issues involving trans Americans. It's Charlotte Clymer. Thank you so much for being here today. <laughs> yes, of no. course. A good day to you all. <laughs> no, we wanted to talk about the SCOTUS decision um, with the young transgender man who was suing his school for the right to use the bathroom that corresponded with his gender. Uh, he finally won. He has graduated since. He has been through, it sounds like, absolute hell with this school. So first off, like, congratulations to this man for his fortitude and bravery and courage. And and these fights should not be carried on the backs of children. Sorry, no. just to just to get that out of the way. Um what 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 do, what do you think this ruling means for the uh, spate of anti-transgender American laws uh, that are popping up all over the place? Is this just one bright spot in the middle of a sea of suck or does this actually have the chance to move forward and and stop some of this other bigotry? Well, first of all, let me add to your praise. Gavin Grimm is a hero. I, yeah. I, I consider him to be an enormous hero. I mean, he's spent the past seven years taking a very lonely path, both as a teenager and now as a young man, uh, advocating for himself and for all trans people to be you know, recognized in the eyes of the law, but particularly for trans children to be treated uh, with respect and dignity. Um, I, this, this decision is a good sign. It's not definitive. Um, as, you, as, as anyone knows, the Supreme Court, what they basically did is they said, well, because there are no um, lower courts that have disagreed with this decision, uh, you know, we're just going to uh, refuse to hear it because all the lower courts have been in agreement that trans kids should be allowed to use the bathrooms of their choice. Um, that's good uh, in, in its own way. However, there is going to, you know, come a moment down the road when uh, a lower court does disagree um, with their uh, fellow lower courts as to whether trans children can use the restroom. Then it's going to get kicked up to the Supreme Court, and then we'll get a definitive ruling. Um, who knows when that happens? Maybe it could be a couple of years from now. Here's why it's good, though. Um, it continues this very long track record of federal courts uh, affirming that uh, trans children are protected under Title IX, which is a position that the pre uh, President Obama's administration took uh, early in his administration, uh, and it has been con uh, repeatedly uh, affirmed and affirmed again by federal court. So we're, we're moving in the right direction, I will say. Okay. Well, one of the questions I had this morning is that it feels... When stuff like this happens, I feel so coordinated, right? So, you know, in 2010, there were a wave of um, anti-choice bills that were passed all around the country, hundreds of them. In 2021, there are 100 anti-trans bills. Like, somebody went to bed on December 31st, and then they woke up the next morning, and they were like, this is the thing. Um, why do you think that is? Why is 2021 the worst year for LGBTQ plus rights 
in American history. Is there anything that makes this year unique? Well, other than the pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, 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 the Republican Party has really given up the ghost on this. Um, they have spent the past decade in, in various ways attacking the rights of trans people and trying to find that specific argument that they believe would resonate with the public. Now, it used to be bathroom bills. In the, mid to, in the mid-2010s, it was bathroom bills that really dominated the headlines. And, you know, the public really revolted against the GOP and said, why are you concerned where people use the restroom? It's really creepy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it, didn't, it didn't gain traction. And, uh, you know, even in North Carolina, it completely, you know, uh, just created such a backlash that the state elected a Democratic governor. So the GOP figured out that, oh, yeah, so going this route is not going to help us. Since it doesn't help them, they've moved on to other things. And the two things they moved on to are attacking trans children who participate in sports and uh, basically banning gender-affirming health care for trans children by scaremongering about medical care for trans kids. Now, these happen to be resonating because it is early in the cycle of public awareness. The American Mm -hmm. public is not educated yet about these two issues. They believe, they honestly believe that Little boys are waking up and deciding they want to play on a girls' team, and that uh, the treatments the trans should receive are somehow horrific and abusive, and neither could be further from the truth at all. But that right. is the route they're taking. I mean, it, it, it feels it's so craven on their part because I genuinely believe that the people who are writing these laws, uh, they, they, they are not actually, no one is actually afraid of what happens if you have a trans kid play on the team that their that their gender tells them to play on like no one is actually afraid of this it's it's an attempt to make other people afraid of a thing that you yourself know is benign which is exactly what happened with the abortion fight when we got that spate of bills in 2010 it was because i mean people decided in the 90s in the 80s that that was going to be their new wedge issue because school segregation didn't work anymore because you know people had learned that that wasn't okay so they just they they picked a random issue that wasn't a problem which was abortion um you could you know alabama had legal abortion like it, it just wasn't an issue until they made it an issue and i i watch this and i think about those back rooms where they decided you know what let's oppress the hell out of women because this this racist school shit isn't working anymore it feels like those back rooms are back <laughs> and it's a bunch of old men sitting in there being like ooh trans kids i bet people don't understand that let's go for that and it's so craven it's it's such a it's such a disproport it's it's not even a disproportionate response because there is nothing to respond to there is no crisis here the only crisis is that we don't support these kids and the suicide rates are insanely high. And if they don't get the medical care that they need, that can be life threatening. Um, it, it feels it feels like they're playing with kids lives for political gain to me. That's that's what it feels like. And it feels like it should be very obvious to everybody what's going on here considering nobody can point to the story in America where a boy pretended to be a girl so he could win on the girls team. Like that doesn't exist. Does it feel that way to you? That it absolutely feels to me that way. It feels like this is a very transparent electoral strategy. It, it is one of the two prongs. It's one of the two prongs that the GOP is using for 2022. It's, it's attacking trans kids. And the second one is the pervasive disinformation on critical race theory. 
those are the two things they're using uh, as their tentpole issues for the midterms. And I think we have a challenge ahead of us, all of us who are not even progressive, just reasonable adults. You know, our job right now is to be better at educating the public about this and ensuring that folks understand that this is scaremongering at its purest and most cynical, and we need to educate the public on why it's wrong. I mean, one of the things that I think a lot about is, like, why certain issues become, to your point, the issue that they're going to use as a wedge in an upcoming election. And I feel like part of the reason why they picked trans people is because, to your earlier point, the the public writ large is not as educated on the intricacies and sort of the specifics of trans um, the trans experience and trans healthcare by extension. So we're let we're more reluctant not to stand up for you on your like you know what I mean. I think people because we don't educated like we're kind of like oh we don't really know about that one. We feel bad, but we're not you know as engaged on you know issues other like we are on other issues like climate or whatever um how can we get to the point where when the trans community is attacked everybody jumps up and is like nope not on my watch like they do with black people like they do with um even even gay people at this point right all of this is an evolution but i feel like the only reason why this is allowed to happen is because we don't have your back and i want to know how we get to a place where like Everybody jumps up like, oh, nope, you're not going to go attack trans people, not on my watch. Zelina, you're absolutely right. It's been really concerning for me to watch, not a lot, but there are some folks on the left who I honestly think deep down they believe the science doesn't support trans people because they haven't researched the science. So they just assume that trans people aren't affirmed by scientific, by the world of science, and that's completely false. Every major medical uh, authority uh, and and really just the wider world of science generally uh, firmly supports trans people based on the scientific based on the scientific evidence. And I I think that you're right. We're just so early in the cycle on public awareness of this that it's going to take a a lot of labor. And and what I would encourage those folks to do who are listening is to make sure that you take the plunge yourself. You know, jump Mm -hmm. into the deep end with this information. And get acquainted with it, because when you're at the Thanksgiving table and one of your relatives brings this up and says something that's completely off the wall or misinformed, you're going to make the most impact by setting them straight and telling them, no, actually, I looked into this. And the American Medical Association, the American Psychological Association, the Sci- you know, Scientific American Magazine, all of these folks in the world of science have clearly said the trans people are valid. We're ignoring this because it makes us uncomfortable. Not because mm-hmm. of science, but because of our own discomfort. Can can you, okay, I'm going to ask you to do something which I saw you do on Twitter yesterday really well. And I'm only asking because I have actually been asked this question by a couple of friends. And it's hard not to sputter into incoherence. And you did not sputter into incoherence. You actually answered the question with science and facts and that was what is such a dumb question but people have it so we're going to talk about it what is the difference between someone being transgender and accepting that that is a scientific fact versus somebody who's decided that they are quote unquote transracial 
Right. If I can't question. believe that this is a question that is being asked, <laughs> but it, it is and it has in my life. And because you are on here to educate us, I'm, I'm going to ask you to do the thing that you did yesterday. I'm, I am so glad you asked. And With an apology. <laughs> you know, first of all, let me just say that um, I think that there are some, uh, well, <laughs> let me be more specific. I think that there are some white people who are very well-meaning. Uh, but because they have this lack of information, they see this as a one-to-one comparison that's totally fair. And it's not. There's no comparison between the two. Trans people have a very long established history for as long as there's been recorded human history of existing. Every country, every culture, every race, every religion, every ethnicity, um, all around the world going back to ancient Greece, uh, going back to ancient Samaria, there have been trans people. You can go to the United States and look at uh, Native American tribes. Uh, and trans people exist there, too. Uh, you know, the, the entire medical world has firmly established again and again and again that trans non-binary people are scientifically valid and should be affirmed in our policies. There is none of this. Literally none of this. None of it. Not the history, not the medical support, not the scientific validation supporting these so-called concepts of white people wanting to be people of color. There's just none, none of it. The, these are right. two completely different things, and it's very important as white people that we understand um, that you know, race is a, is a, is, is, is a social construct, obviously, uh, but there is absolutely no scientific basis to support the, uh, any kind of whatever medical reality that it's okay for a white person to present as a person of color, because it's not. On any level, there's nothing to support it. Right. Right. One other thought I had about um, why we have such difficulty with this is that if there, so I have this weird reoccurring dream. Um, it's not a weird dream. No, I have a reoccurring dream, and it's not weird. It's weird that it's reoccurring. That's what I just want to make that clear. Um, okay. Where I'm in a world where there there's no gender, like everybody's sort of presenting as some part this of the is my spectrum. Favorite dream. It is a cool dream, right? And so, like, I'm walking dreams. around, and I'm myself. Like, I'm not, I'm just, you know, normally dressed how I would normally dress in in my reality here. Um, but I'm sort of like walk looking, like I'm walking around, like, oh, look at that, and like everybody's wearing like pink and purple, and like, but it's like everybody's clearly, it sort of like looks like the Hunger Games, you know, very bright. <laughs> um, and in when I wake up, I just I'm I'm always like in a good mood because I'm like that's the world without the patriarchy. Um, and in some ways, I feel like the fear of trans people is is basically boils down to once we get rid of the gender binary, then men one one they have to um, compete <laughs> with everyone uh, mm-hmm. equally for for power for money for jobs for everything um and two there is no you know men dominate women are submissive there's none of that horse shit like nobody's gonna buy that shit because there's just not um you know the the there there hasn't been the gender binary has not been normalized to the extent where it's like i'm submission to my husband i mean i've heard so many smart people that i think are very capable um who say that, right? Because of like of whatever religious upbringing they had. And I'm just like, but if we got rid of the gender binary, all of this would be bullshit and everybody would be able to see it. Is that what people are really afraid of? 
I, I completely agree with you. I think it's a huge, huge uh, point of concern, and not just for a lot of men, but, but honestly for some women. You know, I, I'm 34, so I'm, I'm relatively young, and it's been put to me my entire life uh, from the time I was a kid that there are men and there are women and that uh, men are naturally better leaders. They're stronger. Um, in some ways, they're smarter, right? That is the that is the inherent sexism or the implied sexism that's, that's been put to me again and again. And I think that goes for the vast majority of folks our age overall. Um, I, I think that we live in a very uncertain world. Um, and as things increasingly become uncertain and, and I, I would say existential with climate change, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, uh, people latch on to the things that feel more solid and stable, right? Gender is one of those things for a lot of people. I think that there are a lot of folks who go to sleep at night and they, they want that kind of consistency and to find out or for it to be revealed to them that gender is actually far more complex than they've been led to believe. I think it's kind of scary for them. That doesn't make it right, of course, because they're grown-ass adults. <laughs> and they be able to do the labor of educating themselves. However, I do think that's the main driver behind it, because the more we talk about uh, gender being this incredibly complex thing, um, it makes people challenge their own perception of their own gender and expression. I'll say this. I'll say, I'll say this, too. With LGB issues, that is, with lesbian, gay, and bisexual issues, I think it was very easy for most straight people be like, uh, well, I'm going to help these people because they need help, um, but not because it has anything to do with me. Trans issues affect everybody. Like, hands down, they affect everybody. And I don't mean in, like, the bathroom sense or the sports sense or whatever. I, I, I mean in the sense that literally everyone on this planet has a gender identity and they have a gender expression. Pronouns are important to everybody. Uh, the way that we present ourselves clothes, with mannerisms, with words. I mean, the way that we perceive gender is important to everybody. And the reason that we don't think about it is because that the vast majority of cis people don't have to worry about people challenging their gender identity or expression. And now we're in an era in which gender identity and expression are really being scrutinized and compared and unpacked. And that scares the shit out of a lot of cis people who aren't acquainted with this kind of rigorous analysis. And it's, it's, it's making them worried about the future, and it's making them challenge something that they thought was set in stone and settled within their souls. And honestly, it's not. It's so much fun to challenge that shit, though. That is it the is. most fun you can have. It's <laughs> just sit there and be like, why? <laughs> why? Why do I present this way? How do I want to present? The number of stories that I've read, and I've, I've been... I've been on this journey a little bit longer than the pandemic, but I, I cer it certainly accelerated in the pandemic. But the number of stories that I've read about people coming out of pandemic by coming out as trans or by coming mm -hmm. out as non-binary makes perfect sense to me because we were all in here with no gaze. Right. Like there was no one perceiving me. And it turns out I present a lot more non-binary than I I was before when I was mm -hmm. walking around the world and being constantly perceived. And that was Love constructing it. my identity in a way that I, it turns out when I'm in here by myself, I, I have some different ways of expressing myself. And I think a lot of people had that sort of awakening over the last year that like, oh, if no one's looking at me, this is who I am. And I don't want to be somebody else when I come out of the house. Um, and, and, so, and to your point, like the, the increase in trans people coming out is directly the result of it being 
safer and more accepting mm. for trans people to exist in the public square. That's why we're seeing the increase of trans non-binary people. And I think you're absolutely right about the effect of the pandemic. It, it, I mean, it's just been it was such a surprising thing for me. Like, I, like, it makes perfect sense, especially since, like, I was going through it myself. It makes perfect sense. But I was still so shy, and it's such clickbait for me. Every time I see anything that's like, pandemic made me realize I was non-binary, I'm like, click, read that. Like, it seems to be an enormous experience that's happening. And it's, I can see how all of that would be very, very destabilizing to somebody who was super invested in their own gender identity to the point that they never wanted to even think about it. Like, that's how invested you are in it, that you can't, you can't even explain it. You can't question it. You can't, you can't even label it because you need it to be the only reality. Um, this has to be real destabilizing for them. But, you know, you're, you're, you're a big kid. You can get through it. Can I make one more point that does help with that? Um, and this is very important for your listeners to take away. I think there is this very widespread perception, particularly Americans, that trans people are somehow uh, an American fad, that it, it happened mm. here in the United States and that some countries picked it up. And it, it's almost like they think it's a, it's a musical genre that took off or something, like some kind of yeah. trend. I cannot be more insistent in this. Trans people have always existed all around the world. This is not, this is not a Western thing. Uh, trans mm-hmm. people can be found in Japan, in China, Russia, um, it, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, South Africa, uh, Venezuela. Indigenous all communities all over the world. Mm-hmm. Right. This is not a Western thing. It's not this trendy, I don't know, new media thing that just kind of picked up overnight. We've always been here. The, the difference is that we now feel comfortable coming out. And folks are just going to have to get used to that. I I didn't realize how much of anti-transness in this country was colonialism, frankly. Like that, yeah. that's been sort of a new awakening for me over the last few months, talking to trans activists and trans activists from different countries, just how colonialist it was to deny the existence of trans people and to make sure that they didn't have a place in Western society. There were... I, trans people were reg- regularly exalted in other cultures, in non-Western cultures. They were seen as more enlightened, which, like, I don't know, if you know a lot of trans people, it's not that hard of a jump to make to see them as more enlightened. But, hey, but can we break that down real quick? Colonialism, uh, yes, please. Can we please. break that down real quick? Uh, like, could you give, like, the 30-second soundbite of, like, what that means? Like, how colonialism erased trans people in some countries? So it, it, in, in some countries, trans people would perform weddings. They were seen as sort of elders. They were seen as, as wiser. They were advice givers. And that, is, that was a, a fairly universal experience across non-Western cultures. You would see it in Africa. You would see it in large parts of Asia. You, you would still see discrimination, but there was an understanding that trans people existed. They were part of life. Um, and they and they you know they they added benefit to the society wherever it was. When colonialism happened, they did everything they could to stamp out any remnants of non-Western culture, and that included the acceptance of trans people, which was not a major part of Western society. Western society is is mostly responsible for the idea of the very strict gender binary. It was it was you know though it was it was Europeans that did that. Um, so right. when we have anti-transness and the, and the inability to even accept that they exist and have existed for centuries and millennia and however long people have existed, that is a really colonialist mindset. And I didn't realize that that was where that came from in this country until, until relatively recently, frankly. That is absolutely That's where every, right. everything yeah. bad comes from. I know. <laughs> 
Damn, white <laughs> people. Damn it, white supremacy. Jesus. <laughs> it's um, the problem at in patriarchy. Um, if you're a cis person listening to this and you're like, I'm fine with my gender identity. And Actually, you know what? I want to cool. make sure that people, everyone listening knows what you mean. Assuming that people listening to Signal Boost knows what you mean when you say cis people listening. But I want to make sure because, you know, people could be. Yeah, my mom asked around, me the other day. Clicking around like, on Sirius XM and they're not sure. So basically, if you're at home and you are not a trans person or a non-binary person, you're a cis person. That's you. That's You're talking. right. We're all yeah. talking to you. You, <laughs> you were assigned uh, male at birth and you identify as male, or if you were assigned female at birth and you identify as female, you are cisgender. You, if you are not transgender or non-binary, you are cis. Um, right. And do we want to do pronouns, that, or is that too hard for this early in the morning? Uh, it's, it's, it gets a little more complicated with that. Um, but I want to help people because we're all oh, learning oh, and growing. So there are some cis people who do use they them. Um, which is which is you know totally fine. Uh, I think anyone should be able to be able to use whatever pronouns uh, are appropriate for them. But generally speaking, um, it, cis people tend to use the pronouns that align with the sex they were assigned at birth. So you know, cisgender men men assign male at birth. Uh, they use he/him pronouns, um, and uh, women assign female at birth tend to use she/her pronouns. Now that's that's not universally the case but it almost always is the case and and you know i i did want to i did want to point this out real quick if you're a, if you are a cis person who i don't know believes that trans people are trying to get you to change yourself i i want to be clear about this we don't care we, <laughs> we want you to be yourself i have, i love that i have male cis friends who are very menly men and who like being men and i i don't i don't care i they're they're my <laughs> friends they're allowed to be whoever they want like you know, go forth and be happy. The problem is that we need to be allowed to be who we are. That's the critical difference here. Yeah. Yes, it absolutely is. Well said. We're, I like to teach a little bit in the morning sometimes, you know, take a moment. No, like, I think, I think this, this actually, this, I, you know, I've had enough conversations now that I'm like seeing some friends in, in, in real life that I, I think I, I realized that we, we needed to back it up just a little bit. Because there are, you know, I'm talking about well-meaning people. They're not super politically engaged, but they are definitely well-meaning, liberal, tolerant people who had questions. And maybe we need to make more of a space for those questions to be asked and, and answered so that there is there is a little less uncertainty in it. This just feels like like this. This really doesn't have any impact on your life. <laughs> like it really doesn't have to. It's fun to question gender, but... My, you don't have to my change yours. Oh, sorry, um, my philosophy with, with this is that if someone asks a question in good faith, I'm going to help them try to under, understand it. That's the, I, I have no problem with good faith questions. But what I do get annoyed with is when Google is a subscription-free service mm. and there are cisgender people who are well-meaning but absolutely refuse to do the labor of educating themselves and put it all on trans people to educate them. Now, I'm fine with educating, but not all trans people are okay with that. Yeah. There is something very exhausting day after day, month after month, year after year, of having to do the labor of making the case for your own humanity to people who Mm -hmm. aren't really doing the work to understand it themselves. Yeah. No, and that's why it's on us to educate ourselves. Like, if you've got a question, you can Google that question. 
You can also ask a well-meaning friend, preferably a, a cis friend, somebody who. We went through this last summer about the the racial uprising. Like, don't ask your black friends to educate you. You know better than that. The same goes for trans people. Common sense, right? And and by the <laughs> way, I've done that in the past as a white person. I I do remember asking friends of color to explain these things to me, and it wasn't until I came out as came out as trans that it really drove home for me. I guess just the annoyance of that, like putting that labor mm-hmm. on people in an oppressed community to teach you. And look, I'm not saying that people can't ask questions. I'm not saying that people should be afraid to learn, but I am saying that there has to be a little bit of effort on the part of folks who don't have that oppression, who do have that privilege and need to enlighten themselves about how the world works. Right. Yeah. Take your privilege and ask your question in the Google box. As opposed to towards a trans person. (laughs) I mean, it's that's not really that hard. And then the other thing too is, I think that like, you know, if you if you're a cis person, you know, have the conversation with another cis person. Then you can have that sort of messy, uncomfortable conversation you're afraid of having, right? Um, And no one will tell on you. Like, just have that mutual trust. You can mess up. I've messed up. I mess up all the time, and then I I try to do better the next time. And try to educate because like no one's born woke you don't come out and you're like oh i'm i know everything i'm a democratic socialist like that's not how it works so <laughs> everyone is growing but everyone i i would growing. say that educating yourself um means you, you don't you don't ask trans people directly but you do follow them and you do listen to them and you do read their books and you read their memoirs and you watch their movies and you watch their tv shows and you listen to their stories and that is part of the education so one of the one of the things that i do when i have friends who ask me questions like this is i send them to your twitter account so that's what i'm going to do to our listeners now so you want or you can follow charlotte on twitter so she can educate you every day about these issues like she did with you yesterday there you go. So, so follow CF And thank you, Charlotte, as always, for coming on. It's always That's such a an excellent conversation with you. <laughs> Jeff, Selena, you're wonderful. I, I appreciate thank you both you. so much. Thanks for listening to the Signal Boost podcast. We'll be back tomorrow with more news.